Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome back. Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast in isolation. Um, episode three, I think we've done. Um, but it's back, David, Matt and Alan all here in our various uh, safe, uh, isolating spots. Lads, how are you? Good, good. Um, I, I think isolation, you realise how much of your life kind of revolves around live sports. Like what, what you read, what you listen to, what you watch. So it's been a bit of a shame, but I suppose the sort of the uh, the replays of old Scotland games. And, I mean, how good was Edinburgh versus Dragons 2015 Challenge Cup semi-final? I mean, what <laughs> a treat. What a treat to see it again. Yeah, exactly. That was keeping me going. James is such a shan Edinburgh team. <laughs> <laughs> the back line was horrendous. Do you what think it looks like? more shan retrospectively than it actually was at the time it's a decent enough pack but the backs were like it was like Hidalgo Klein fair enough then it was like Burley at 10 I think that Sam Beard guy and maybe like that um Strauss guy at 12 <laughs> at 13, like hanging <laughs> maybe Jack Cusper actually somewhere in the back three. Ooh. And Alan, you getting on all right? Yeah, I'm fine. Um, Putting on on quite a lot of weight. Um, Watching quite a lot of TV. Enjoyed. Didn't uh, did anyone tune into the 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 Berwick versus is it Greenwich Wanderers game on Wednesday? That was the other one that the SOU put up. Greenwich. 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 Are you for real? <laughs> no, I gave I gave that one a miss. Um, you know, it was like ninety points scored or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, great, cool. <laughs> How are you doing, Dave? How are you finding the isolation? It's all right. I think Matt's point's pretty good about like you realise how much you watch and sort of read about sport. I've I've quite enjoyed how like newspaper media have almost become like sort of the online clickbait that they hate like the times being like what are the 10 best grounds like all all of these things that were like previously just like sort of weird discussions on like fan forums and on twitter are now sort of in the in the pages of the broadsheets so um, talking about clickbait we we have been for the last few weeks trying to map out what our top 10 favorite scottish rugby grounds are which we were we are planning to launch on Twitter today at some yeah. point. 
I'm just about to send out a tweet asking for any suggestions to maybe alter our shortlist. Yeah, go on. Any good particular, any like particularly good snaps people have? Yeah, good idea. I mean, we just got to keep, we just got to keep on keeping on. It's been very fun, Alan. You've been marshalling and going back through the the sort of annals of Scottish rugby and looking at the best tries from the last decade. Which, wow, there were some bad years, really dry years. It is actually really interesting how when you look through from that 2010 and we've got all the way through to sort of 2016 and if anything actually 2010 was the was the driest of all the years I think there was five tries in the whole year so bad. and so it actually made defining a top four incredibly easy because one of them was a Jim Hamilton pick and go which was very easy just to chop off um, <laughs> But no, it's interesting. It feels like I think that once that kind of that the bedrock of that Glasgow team starts to make up a lot of that Scotland, especially backline, you see sort of a big improvement. And then once obviously Finn Russell kind of comes into his own, sort of around 2015, I think just like the standard of attacking play just increases mm-hmm. at such an exorbitant rate, right? Yeah, I mean, just looking at those sort of autumn 2016 tries that went up, the Hugh Jones's brace against Australia, just so much hope. We were playing such good rugby. We were wearing white shorts. Right? Life was just so good. It's true. I guess we, we chatted sort of briefly about how potentially Stuart Hogg's debut, and I think in 2012, might have been the best of Scotland debut of, of our lifetimes. But actually, on reflection, it's just got to be Hugh Jones at home versus Australia getting man of the match and scoring two tries. Like, how unreal. No one knew who Hugh Jones was apart from, like, a core group of absolute rugby ultras. Yeah. yeah. No no Scottish rugby fan knew who he was. Yeah, exactly. Did he make his debut against Australia? Did he make it in the summer before? Yeah, it, on the summer tour, he came off the bench against Japan. Oh, did he? Did he do yeah. that, like, two-game away tour? Yeah, yeah. Where were you, like, uh, at, like last play or something? Interesting. He, um, no. I mean, it's just a Hugh Jones in general, the sort of story of him, sort of how he got into professional rugby in general, is actually pretty, pretty incredible. Um, but yeah, it's uh, no good, good to good to relive the good times. Although to be fair, even in 2016 and in 2017, there's big piles of shit kind of sitting in between like the, the nuggets of gold yeah especially against england up until about 2018 until that 2018 game every scotland england game was either a complete shagging or really shit <laughs> so yeah it's been a tough decade real, real highs and lows a lot um, so let me talk through the little things that we've written down that we're going to talk about. Um, so we'll have a bit of a chat about Colin Grassy, the SRU chairman. He's stepping down 10 months before his um, contract comes to an end. Talk about the implications of all of that. Talk about a little bit of gossip um, about Sean Maitland perhaps coming back to Scotland. And then we're generally just going to have a bit of a canter through under the theme of why are Scottish rugby players losing their mind in isolation? Um, of which there's quite a lot of evidence uh, to suggest that some people are struggling. And I suppose that we can also include the Scottish rugby media who are sort of open warfare on Twitter every day, fighting with one another as well. So there's a lot to cover. And you've got a quiz, on. Yes, I've got a quiz on Scotland captains, which is actually, you know, a relatively eclectic mix, I would say. Probably more than you think. Yeah. Well, we'll get on to that. and then. Um, yeah, we've got some exciting news about some upcoming guests as well. Oh, so yeah. Oh, my God. We will keep that right until the end um, just to make sure you guys keep listening. But you can keep smash that 15-second skip button if you really want. Get to the end. I mean, um, heavyweights. Heavyweights of the game. Real heavyweights. Um, so the isolation series is going to continue after we've had a couple of weeks off when, to be fair, not a lot was happening. So, um Right, Colin Grassi, SRU chairman. Um, 
the man who has sort of overseen it for the last, I think, 2017, he became chairman. Um, so he's kind of overseen a lot of the last, well, the three years where there have been, shall we say, a few areas where the SRU has been left a little bit wanting. He announced on Thursday, I think, that he's uh, resigning um, at the AGM in August of this year, um, 10 months before his contract is due to expire. Matt, what do you think has brought this about and what impact do you think it'll have? Um, in terms of bringing it about, uh, I don't know. I mean, he maybe he is the fall guy now for the sort of the perceived failures of corporate governance. Um, I think sort of it's quite interesting. I think he probably did quite a good job of being quite an unknown figure, which I kind of think as a chairman of Scottish rugby is actually a good thing, like rather than sort of being in the, in the press the whole time being mentioned, just getting on with the job. Um, yeah. but, but then he did sort of seem to come to the fore when there was that... Um, the AGM that was videoed and Dee Bradbury was talking about the governance review, I think. And it was just after the Dodson pay packet had come out and obviously everyone was pretty aggrieved. And um, I think it was Keith Wallace of Harrington jumped up in the meeting and asked, you know, what on earth is the, the justification for this payment? And as Dee Bradbury was about to answer, Colin Grassy sort of got up from his seat and took over from things. And I just think from that point on, and it, to the point where Keith Wallace went, who are you? And I think genuinely no one really knew who he was. But at that point, he sort of became a bit of a sort of figure of attention for the almost the wrong reasons. And, and I wonder if, you know, the, the SAU seems been under so much pressure in the last sort of 18 months as to the sort of way it's governed the game that maybe heads had to roll or maybe he's just sort of been like, you know what, I've had my time. I don't really need this. I'm going to step aside. I'm sort of speculating, but those could be some of the reasons. Do you think, I mean, just actually thinking about that AGM, the who are you is an absolute savage put, savage put down from the crowd. Oh yeah. It's so good. <laughs> absolutely love that. I guess one of the things I was thinking is, Obviously, Mark is it's very well known about, and we've talked about it. It's been written about about how sort of commercially minded Mark Dodson is, and that's kind of where his strengths lie and where his background is. And I think, obviously, um, with Colin Grassi, you know, he is you know, CEO of Deutsche Bank, or was sort of CEO of Deutsche Bank in the UK. Clearly, comes from like a very sort of commercial background. I guess it potentially feels like just with everything that's happened in the community game potentially this feeling like the club game's kind of been put to the side whilst everything's focused on the commercial and the pro side. Do you feel like maybe the clubs are like, or there is people in turn that potentially feel we need a chairman that's a more focused on the kind of wider Scottish rugby ecosystem and maybe potentially has a background that more kind of in like, more like at that club level. I'm assuming, I actually don't know this for a fact, I'm assuming like Colin Grassy isn't like, the tr- hasn't been like the treasurer of like Elston Rugby Club. Uh, no, I, I don't think so. <laughs> it's an interesting point, though, Alan, about who is going to come in next. And I mean, in in general, speaking in general terms, we are at the moment Scottish rugby is in a crisis, much like all sporting bodies and an awful lot of businesses are. It's not it's not fantastic for a chairman to be stepping down in the middle of this sort of stuff where you'd hope that the board would have a sort of steady hand on the tiller um and he's sort of deliberately he's not deliberately but he's leaving early um it'll be very interesting to see who they bring in and whether it is somebody from clubland or maybe getting someone from goldman go bigger go more (laughs) go like just like double down stop thinking so small we need rothschild i want rothschild a rothschild in there yeah, like someone like just so disgracefully commercial that they try and like sell the sponsorship of like every single Scottish rugby club. JP Morgan have taken a big loss. Jamie Diamond needs a new challenge. Get get him over. Yeah, I think that's that is an interesting point. The sort of the timing of it, that it's sort of obviously a very uncertain time for Scottish rugby, and to just sort of I don't know. It feels like. The, the news that he is leaving without a successor 
does, I don't know, doesn't seem like that sensible to me. Well, yeah. I think that's the case. I think, I think broadly, if there was a successor in place and we weren't kind of in the midst of a crisis, I think, you know, he's been on the board for eight years. He's been chairman for three. I don't think anyone really would have thought much of it. But just because of the current sort of circumstances, it it feels kind of a bit strange timing. Yeah. So we will keep an eye on uh, the departure of Mr. Grassi. I'm sure he's not going to be too hard up in his uh, in his retirement. So, do you want to know? Do you want to know where Colin Grassi lives? Where? Are we about to announce somebody's address? Matt, because I do think there's probably some implications of that. This is public knowledge on the day okay. the Scottish record, all right? Um, it's an article on his wife who makes luxury jewellery from, like, uh, what? <laughs> what are you talking Sorry. Sorry. Um, oh, she, get, she makes luxury jewellery from the teeth of red deer. What? She has items that sell around the world for upwards of £63,000. The teeth of red deer? Yes, which, which, which she gets, which she sources from the grassy 8,000-acre estate near Fort Augustus. Nice. Wow. Nice. Oh, Sounds like something you could buy in a Wuhan wet market. <laughs> Oh, wild. Well, I'm yeah. sure he'll enjoy, yeah, as much red deer teeth as he wants in his retirement then. Lovely. Um, well, moving on from that, that was <laughs> extremely bizarre. I can see why you were sort of taken aback while reading that article, Matt. <laughs> it, it just said they made jewellery from the red deer, and I was like, how is that allowed or possible? But ugh, there's a market for it, clearly. Apparently. I want to know where that market is. We'll, we'll come back next episode. We'll look into the red deer teeth market. Um, I, can I can tell you some famous clients, Trini and Susanna from that. What what was that program again? Like the what to wear program. Uh, I thought they were how clean is your house. No, that was um. That was Sue Nagy. Sue, yeah, the old biddies. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I really think we've gone down a black hole here. Um, Steering us back onto safer territory, the rugby paper um, at the beginning of the week reporting that Sean Maitland is um, going to be leaving Saracens as they head down to the championship. And um, it was listed that he was coming back to Glasgow stroke Edinburgh, which tells me that he's just sort of negotiating with the SRU and they'll work out where best to put him. Um, this sparked quite a lot of chat on our Twitter, lots of people from both Edinburgh and Glasgow wanting him to come along. But I think generally speaking, if he were to be coming, he'd make it would be a better fit at Glasgow because they don't have a recognised fullback at the moment. Yeah, it feels like for for both parties, Glasgow seems the natural fit. I think you know ultimately that Edinburgh first choice back line of Duhan, Blair, and um, Darcy Graham feels like that's kind of pretty set. And you want that back three, I think, playing as much as he can together and starting for Edinburgh. Glasgow, on the other hand, you know, we're sort of looking at the the kind of options for next year and it's a getting quite slim or continuing to be quite slim in the back three. Not that Maitland helps this, but it's increasingly kind of quite an old back three. Um, so I think, what, well, 15, your options next year are still, I don't even know whether Glenn Bryce and Rui Jackson, off the top of my head, have contracts for next year. Um, but it feels like potentially Maitland's going to be seen as maybe a one or two year sort of stopgap fullback until they can kind of bring someone through from the academies. Um, so, yeah, I mean, then I think for Scotland in general, you know, Maitland's not that young. And he's 31. 31, which I think... He'll be 32, was, 32 in September. And I think, you know, obviously he's 31, but he's a he's a 31-year-old back three player, which is, I think, slightly different to being sort of as a, a forward. Um, I think his shelf life is a little bit a little bit shorter. Mm. But I think potentially for him, he's obviously looking at his career, and I think 
I don't see him making the next World Cup at 34, but I think he's probably going to be pretty integral to that Scotland team for the next two years, especially as kind of Duhan and Darcy Graham and Blair Kinghorn sort of kind of cut, start sort of coming through into the Scotland team. Yeah, he's not. He isn't as quick as he once was, but I always think Scotland look defensively much better when Maitland's on the park because he just he knows what he positionally he is just really really strong. Yeah, definitely. I think the other thing, the, the other sort of bit of transfer gossip was that John Lance might be going to Edinburgh and he sort of seems to, he's been around the block a bit, but when he's been at Worcester, he's sort of like alternated between 10 and fullback. So I suppose it's like another reason why it makes far more sense for him to go to, to Glasgow. Yeah. And it, so it's it kind of, it feels, I don't think it's been explicitly stated, but it, it feels almost certain that Simon Hickey's going to leave Edinburgh at the end of the year. Yeah, which I think makes a lot of, the other, the other actually I think makes a lot of sense, sorry. I, I don't think he's really shone, and by all accounts, he's expensive. The, there was a bit of chat on Twitter though as well that Matt Scott's future has not quite yet been cleared up. Yeah, he's and not signed a new contract. Yeah, and I, I'd be pretty surprised and pretty disappointed if he left Edinburgh because particularly like this this season and towards the end of last season, he was looking sort of back to sort of top form. Completely agreed. I think, you know, obviously, I think Edinburgh have got a relatively good um, depth at centre, but I think in terms of someone who can break the game line and has especially sort of in patches at the start of the year looked at looked at someone who could be a sort of international quality inside centre. I think it'd be quite sad if Matt Scott sort of moved on. Um, which I I don't know. Maybe it's just all around timing with these things. I I would be surprised after Matt Scott left just because of kind of where that Edinburgh team's going and you know it feels like He's on. He's been on the kind of edges of the Scotland squad, and it's kind of a few injuries that potentially sort of held him back. Um, but yeah, it's uh, be an interesting one. I, don't, I haven't seen too much of um, John Lance. It's. Uh, I mean, it feels like he's almost going to be just that utility back on the bench, who's going to sort of cover ten and sort of back three if he was to sort of come up. I, I've always quite liked him, so I think he's sort of. He seems to have played for, I think, for most of the Australian Super um, maybe apart from the Rebels. And I, I always thought he sort of stood out as, like, one of the better players. And then, yeah. from what I've ever seen him play at, like, Worcester, for instance, I've always thought he's been pretty good, actually. So, you know, maybe not a first choice. I, I doubt he'll sort of... I doubt he'd push someone like Van der Vaal out of the 10 position, but a guy who's not going to get selected internationally as well, available all year round... Can play ten and fifteen. Probably yes. quite quite handy training. No, definitely. Although the the lack of another ten at both pro teams whose squad is qualified is remains an issue. I think. Yeah, well, it'd be it'd be interesting because I think you know obviously it looks like Jason Baggett, you know, isn't going to be able to make the step up at Edinburgh. He's sort of been that third choice stand off I wonder if there's anyone in the academies or whether someone like that Nathan Chamberlain guy obviously performed pretty well for Scotland in the 20s at 10 it feels like he potentially you know there's probably scope for someone like him to sort of come into the Edinburgh the Glasgow team yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, yeah. I think anyone at super six level has done enough to sort of they're not like you know, slamming the door down in terms of getting a pro contract. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the guys who have been yeah. pen and I think a few of them are sort of probably a bit too old now. Like Lee Miller, who I think got playing for Watsonians, and I think got in the Super Six, the SRU Super Six team of the year so far. He's probably a bit too old. He's already gone down like the pro route in England. Probably yeah. won't get picked up again. Fraser Climo air, like he's done that. Um, maybe someone like Ross Thompson might be someone who comes through, had a pretty good season. Yeah. But I think you're there's still 
no one's like massively put their hand up, I don't think. But it'll be interesting to see what happens to Nathan Chamberlain, whether he starts to sort of get game time at Bristol, or whether they manage to convince him to, to come up the road. Yeah, it'll be a good one to, to keep an eye on. Um, I don't actually have anything else on the agenda other than just sort of, you know, notable match yet, which has been going on. But I was just thinking there as we were talking about um, Duhan and what have you, is has coronavirus made the risk of Duhan getting um, capped by somebody else before Scotland higher or lower? Because we were all hoping he'd get capped in the summer tours and there's not going to be summer tours. So now we have to wait until November at best to get Duhan inside the Scotland net. I actually think it makes it lower because I think there's a much higher chance that Scotland play rugby before South Africa play rugby, potentially. Yeah. So, like, the rugby championship in its sort of current form just ain't happening, right? Um, and I think there will be a lot of trepidation around having the Southern Hemisphere teams coming over to to Europe in November as well. Yeah. Um, so I reckon, and it looks like potentially they're looking at obviously trying to kind of get some of the Six Nations matches has been chat about having some additional home matches, games in the autumn. So I actually think that, you know, the chances of Scotland playing a game or playing games over the next 12 months is higher than a South Africa playing. Um, so I think it potentially sort of actually increases the chances of Duhan playing for uh, playing for Scotland. And I actually think broadly, I think if South Africa were maybe going to uh, say maybe if South Africa were going to pick him, they would have sort of made some made some moves by now. But I guess with the with the World Cup, that was we're sort of kind yeah. of now into that transition period. But it, it really does feel like Duhan's now very squarely in the sort of Scotland camp. Yeah. It was him and I think Ollie Kebble becomes available for Scotland this summer as well. I think those are the two main ones that we were waiting for this summer, um, which would be interesting. Obviously, I don't think Kebble's knocking on the door for international honours elsewhere, but he'll certainly be a very good person to bring into the, the front row mix yeah. at Scotland. I'd almost be more worried about Schumann getting picked up. I know he's qualified yeah. later on. You can't look at like South Africa's back three options and they've got like Colby, Mapimpi, Deante when he comes back from his ban, like Warwick Kalai and Damien Villemsa. Like, do they really need someone like I still think if they select people who are not playing in South Africa, it's like real exceptions or experienced people like I have they have they capped anyone who has not played in South Africa? Because Duhan's not really played in South Africa. So I think, I know Duhan was in the Bulls Academy. And yeah. I'm not, I think he's potentially played Curry Cup. Yeah. Not, but I, I get the impression, which is interesting, which is quite interesting, but he didn't seem to play much more so because of injuries. And I think he had a lot of injury issues when he was younger, which kind of halted his development. And clearly he's obviously gone across to France and then moved to Edinburgh. And hasn't seemed to have had those same kind of injury issues. So I think you're right in terms of all the players who are playing in Europe who have always been picked, whether it's, you know, your Cheslin Colby's, etc. They've always had at least some sort of kind of quite chunky super rugby background before moving to kind of the French and English leagues. Yeah, and I, I could see South Africa making an exception if like, I don't know, if... It was someone like Ches and Colby, who is like a freak. And Duhan yeah. has been playing. Duhan has been playing like exceedingly well, but I just yeah. I just I can't quite see them like really pushing the boat out to select them. I also just wonder if Edinburgh's just a little bit I know off the radar. I get the point that obviously the two South African teams are in pro rugby, but it's not like Duhan's tearing it up in like the Champions Cup final, right? I think if you're playing for like Saracens or you're playing for Toulouse in the kind of really, really big matches, you just naturally get more on sort of people's radar. 
Um, and I don't think Duhan's kind of had those kind of standout performances in big matches. Mm. Apart from the 1872, obviously. Apart from the 1872, which, which is really which big I in South Africa. Which I understand is the most watched match in South Africa. So. <laughs> well, that was a little bit of a segue, but a good one nonetheless. So we will keep an eye on that. And uh, hopefully we'll see Duhan in the Scotland jersey sooner rather than later. Um, okay, so isolation for Scottish rugby players. There seems to be a trend of Scottish rugby players getting drunk and then live streaming themselves drunk. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. On Instagram. Which is strange. I think the the biggest the biggest uh, example, Rory Hughes has ended up in the sun for Making some pretty bad sort of derogatory slurs against uh, homosexual people while um, drinking Buckfast on an Instagram live page. Love, love the Bucky. Love the Bucky. Yeah, it's um, and so him, and then obviously less, less talked about. Finn Russell put himself on Instagram at sort of like a couple of weeks ago. It was about six in the morning in Paris, like absolutely buckled. Oh, absolutely buckled. <laughs> he, had, he had no idea what was going on. Like, you can see people, like, chatting to him on the thing, and he, he's trying to read them and, like, process them, and he has, he has no idea what's going on. It's all very, very strange. I think why, is, why isolation is affecting people differently. Why, why do you think that Finn video, especially in the context of recent events, wasn't picked up? I generally don't think many people saw it. And obviously, only reason we saw it is because someone <laughs> videoed it and was up at that time. But well, it feels like it, it was about five in the morning to UK time. But yeah. we got sent it by a fan from Australia who was obviously up in the evening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so they were yeah. seeing it. And I also think Finn, it wasn't up for. It was live, and then it sort of disappeared. So I think he took it down. Or I don't know what yeah. happens. The live videos stay up, or do they just disappear? Anyway, it it didn't happen for one reason or another, and we've I mean, only got a screen grab of it. Where there's a very real possibility that Finn Russell thought he was like FaceTiming someone and accidentally launched <laughs> Instagram Live. So. That is true. That is true. But uh, um, yeah. But I, I would say there's been a couple of things. Finn did that interview with BT Rugby, didn't he? And Craig Doyle. Feels yep. to me that he is trying to roll back the Six Nations episodes to, you know, get back into the favour of the SRU. 100%. He's also mm-hmm. done the Jim Hamilton Rugby Pass um, yeah. interview where the, the narrative is very much like, oh, it's been blown out of proportion. Uh, you know, me and Tooney have had our issues, but it'll be fine. I'll hopefully be back in the summer or if next when we play the game. Blown out of proportion by his double-page spread in the Sunday Times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I reckon it was when Scotland beat France that he was like, ah, I've had, I've had a bit of a mare here. <laughs> yeah. And particularly off the back of Hastings playing well. No, exactly. uh, I don't know if you saw, uh, Finn Russell was running a competition on Instagram. 
where you could win a selection of CBD-based goods and a pair of signed Finn Russell boots. Oh, nice. I was like, I'll take, the, I'll take the boots. I, know, I was like, yeah. I will like and tag this CBD oil to get these boots. <laughs> I think that CBD oil company is run by Sean Lamont. Ah, interesting. I think um, I think he's got it's either his or he's got an interest in it because I remember when Finn out of the blue first started talking about CBD, but it is becoming a big there is a big sort of growing consensus within rugby that it's quite good for pain relief. Like Alex is it Alex Cruz and um, Dom Day at Saracens have got a company as well. I'm not, not sure who Alex Cruz is. Yeah, Alex Cruz. No, sorry, George, George Cruz. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just. Haskell and um, Owen Franks have got one. Ben Franks have got one at yeah. Northampton. I mean, how how easy is it to make CBD stuff? Like, ever, it's, since it's come think, out, everyone's got one. Put their name to it. I think it's been a product that has been sort of in sort of like health food shops and stuff like that, pretty readily available for a long time. And it's just having a bit of a moment at the moment. Yeah. Like people are quite um, People are quite into it. And I think there's a growing body of evidence that it is, I think, particularly for athletes, not like is quite good. So, I don't know. Shall we, uh, shall we chat about a couple of the other players that seem to have gone a bit rogue? I think Adam Ash and Max Evans probably always were a bit rogue. A little bit. Uh, Max Evans being a 5G truther. And anti-vaxxer. And an anti-vaxxer. And an anti-vaxxer is pretty wild. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so that was max evans former scotland wing stroke center did a series of tweets and posts on instagram about the now sort of much fetid 5g conspiracy giving everyone coronavirus um yeah. it's pretty cool pretty cool way to use your platform max <laughs> yeah a time of a global pandemic and so was it adam Ad- Ad- aggressive for attack 5G power station. Yeah. Max Evans going on Instagram Live, just sort of like with a hammer attacking like a sort of like BT broadband box on his street. (laughs) Assault on a sky engineer. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And what was it? Animash retweeted Katie Hopkins talking about. Whatever nonsense Katie Hopkins is talking about. Is it not not just like. Don't don't always believe what the mainstream media tell you. Which <laughs> yeah, something like that. It's like, I, I don't know, you could argue maybe you shouldn't, but I mean, in the fact yeah. that it's Katie Hopkins saying it, and in the current context, it's clearly about like how corona has been, like the message has been put out by the government. I mean, oh. yeah. It's a little bit misguided, I would say. <laughs> Mark Palmer tweeted quite a funny thing about it. He was like, next week on the Warriors podcast, Katie Hopkins on why it's time to bring back real rucking. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to the official Scottish one and Al Callick was talking about one of his like early training sessions with like Jim Telfer. And he was just like, those were the days when like we were talking about like launching yourselves into rucks. Like you wanted to be like two foot off the ground, parallel, like sort of, parallel to the ground like here we go completely yeah. bonkers how much the game's changed in like 15 years <laughs> just love that all sorry um, on go i was gonna say anyone who says that rucking was like glorious back in the day just is completely living in like a fairy tale world like rucking yeah. from like the 90s is a complete shit show <laughs> I, just, I love it when like you see it from you see it in the in the 90s Grand Slam decider when the whole forward pack goes in in like a flying V and they enter the rock as like a full pack every single one of them like running over the top of whoever happens to be on the floor I mean imagine imagine like a team started doing that today on like an international match it, it would go down so badly yeah 100% so so bad um, who else has lost their minds uh, Journals. <laughs> well, no, Hastings and Kinghorn, I'm not sure if they've lost their minds, but they're seeming to do like sort of live 
weird DJ shows. They just seem to be having a really like weird time to themselves in their flat. Yeah. I'm prepared, I'm prepared to let that go because the videos that Adam Hastings puts up of him pretending to be a DJ are quite funny. Yeah, they are quite funny. I mean, it, it must be it must be such a strange just day-to-day existence for a rugby player at the moment without having mm. that like, set routine. And there's only so much training you can do. And I mean, there's like no point in doing like, I, mean, I suppose you could do like analysis and stuff, but you can only do so much of that. And I, and I also think for someone like, like a prop, like unless you have like a home gym that is full of like barbells and loads of bumper plates, like I don't know how you maintain your like physical, the stuff that you need to, to operate in that position. Yeah. Well, I saw Edinburgh have done like a big drop of like weights and stuff to all their players. Um, but was it not Hugh Jones was talking on another podcast and he said that basically Glasgow, he hadn't got anything from Glasgow? Yeah, yeah. I think he was saying that he was just sort of mainly doing like press ups and running, which, yeah. Uh, I suppose for an outside centre, it's probably not that bad. But. I think as an outside centre, you can probably do most of what you need with like body weights and just keeping sort of general fitness. Yeah, for at least a little while there's probably like a limit to how long you can do that for um what if you're like yeah but if you're like schooman and say you live in a flat in edinburgh like you can't really put in a squat rack yeah (laughs) if you drop away in like most flats like you're fucked unless you're like getting proper but even if you get proper matting like you just you just can't yeah so unless you've got like a garden and stuff, um, yeah, I don't know. No. And what else has been going on? Um, there's been some good journalist spats on Twitter, which has been quite good fun. My favourite was Al- Alistair Reid at the Times, like getting really annoyed at the SIU for putting on the Calcutta, the 1990 Grand Slam game. <laughs> I mean, his point was valid. The game is up all the time. <laughs> but I mean, it is, tr- it is true. But like, <laughs> Like, but come not, on. Well, everyone knows that. And it's it's not as if the SRU were like an exclusive. We finally like released the footage that you've all been wanting from 1990. Yeah. It's like, they were like, look, you're going to show it at this time. It'd be quite a nice way to spend your Friday night. That's all they <laughs> Got to find it. Yeah, that was quite bad. And then, what was it yesterday? It was Tom, Tom English and David Barnes sort of going toe to toe yesterday about. Um, an interview holding Mark Dodson to account. All, yeah. all very strange. It's enjoyable. I think we need, there needs to be some actual news. Yeah. Everybody's no desperate for a bit of actual Everyone's news. Eating each other alive. <laughs> Cannibalising each other without Scottish rugby development. Yeah. Well, I suppose now we're talking about it as well, so we're just exacerbating that. Yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> that's absolutely, that's what we do. Um, cool. Alan, you've got a quiz. The fans have yeah. been crying out. They've been asking us to do a live quiz, but we are not technically proficient enough to do that. Yeah, <laughs> so gonna... and all our broadbands are definitely not good enough to deliver some sort of mass Scottish rugby-based quiz. No, but if <laughs> BT, sponsors of sold-out BT Murrayfield, want to hook us up with some better broadband, we will happily do a quiz. That'd be a great VIK deal. We all get <coughs> free fibre. That'd be awesome. Oh, that'd be great. I know BT are listening, so sort us out. <laughs> put, put it in the thistle when you sign up for BT fibre and you get a discount. <laughs> that'd be so good. It could happen. Very yeah. good. So, right. the, uh, the title of the quiz is My Captain, My Captain. The quiz is <laughs> about captains. Um, so what I want you to do is in since when sorry i've got someone at the door um since january the 1st 2010 there have been 14 people who have captained scottish the scotland rugby team okay. i'll give you going to give you sort of 20 seconds to write it down but what i want to do once uh, you've got the right answers make sure you just note down what the uh, what the 14 right answers are just because we're going to then sort of refer back to them at the end 
So, uh, Dave, do you want to do you want to kick us off with uh, your first answer? Um, current Scotland captain Stuart Hogg. Correct, Hogg. Hanny. Uh, I'll go Stu McAnally. Yeah. Dave. Um, Greg Laidlaw. Um, Johnny Barkley. Yeah. Um, Al Kellogg. Yeah. Um, Kelly Brown. Kelly Brown. Yes, actually, I think debuted as captain in 2012 at home against New Zealand. So that's a nice. Nice way to start your captaincy off. Captaincy career. Um, Johnny Gray. Johnny Gray has not started a match as Scotland captain, according oh. to ESPN. <laughs> That's fine. Matt. Mike Blair. Mike Blair has. He. Uh, Whilst obviously being captain, I think mostly, so his first captaincy was in 2008, but he actually captained Scotland against, I think, New Zealand in 2010. Uh, oh. Dallas? I've got a rogue one, which I think is right. Um, Henry Pergos? Henry Pergos is correct. He oh, that's a banger. He captained um, in one of the warm-up in the one of the 2015 World Cup warm-up. Yeah. Games. Very good. Oh, so that was his first one. How many were you up to now? Eight. Ross Ford. Ross Ford, correct. Very good. Um, we have only got one more. No, two. Uh, one rogue one. Both, both quite rogue. What have I got written down? Um... Um, I'm struggling a little bit now. I don't think it's right. Grant Gilchrist? Gilchrist is correct. He has yes, captained three, three times, uh, debuting in 2014. There you go. What do you got, Matt? Cossiter. Cossiter is correct. He uh, He's captained up until about 2011, 2012. Nice, 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 nice. Three more. Three more. Um, what about someone like Nathan Hines? Nathan Hines has actually, I don't think, ever started a match as captain for Scotland. I was going to go for that. Um, I think it's wrong, but Jim Hamilton. Say, Jim Hamilton has not started a game as captain. I think he's he was vice captain for a while. Yeah, you've uh, you've got two. To give you a clue, you've got two members of the back row, and uh, one back. Two members. Ryan Wilson. Ryan Wilson ah, is correct. He, uh, he captained um, at the 2019 Rugby World Cup. Uh, can I go for the back? I was going to go for the back. You go for the back. Chris Patterson? That's what I was going to say. Chris Patterson is, I think, incorrect. Sounds correct, though, doesn't it? Oh, it I does know. sound correct. He was captain in 2004, and if I remember correctly, I think his he did play up until 2011, but I think his last captaincy was like 08 or 09 or something. Mm, okay. Like Back. Can you give us a position or will that give it away? Um, scrum ass. Rory Lawson? Rory Lawson is correct. And then you've got one who captained, who was first captain, so it's the back row, and he captained in one of the world, his first captaincy was in one of the world warm-up games for 2015. 
Who is in that back row? I think against Italy. Like the hardest man in Scottish rugby. Strokosh is correct. Nice. 14, you should have Hogg, McAnally, Laidlaw, Barkley, Kellogg, Brown, Blair, Pergos, Ford, Gilchrist, Custer, Wilson, Strokosh, Lawson. Interesting. Call that Interesting. Five scrum halves. That's where we've typically had good players, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. With luck. Okay. You're basically five scrum half, couple of back rows, a couple of second rows, a couple of hookers, and then a throwback. Which is sort of an interesting sort of combo. Um, so that's your, four, that's your 14. Can you name me the, uh, the, fa- the five of those who have captained more, 10 or more times? I'll give you both five guesses as well. So 10 or more? 10 or more across the sort of, across the sort of lifetime of being a, a scholar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think I've got mine. Mm, yeah. Let me go for that. Right, what's your first guess, Matt? Laidlaw. Yeah, boom, correct. 40 for the big man. Or the 40. Man. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. Um, Kellogg. Kellogg is correct with 10. Ooh, I didn't have him. Um, Kelly Brown. Kelly Brown is correct. He's got 14. Did you have him, Dave? Yeah, I had Kelly as well. Who's your next one? Mm, no, I, I had Barkley, but I don't think it's right. Are you wanting to play him? Um, yeah, give me give me John Barkley for 10, please, John. Boom, correct. Ah. Did you I have him, Matt? I didn't have Barkley, no. Uh, I, when, I, you're in, Matt, when your internet slows down, it sounds like you're really pissed. <laughs> You're like, here, I didn't have John Barclay, huh? <laughs> um, I had Lawson. Lawson is incorrect. I've got him chalking up five. What, over his whole career? Look, that's what ESPN says, man. Really? <laughs> I'll bow down to ESPN. I had Rambo as my fifth. Got Rambo on eight. Blair? Blair is correct. Yeah. Uh, 14. Right. So we've got a couple, just a couple. I'm trying to work out what the score is now. So let me try this out. Uh, so Matt, you're winning by one. Oh. Hi. I thought Dave would have been winning, but let's not go into that too much. <laughs> Isn't it? Which of those two captains has under a 30% win record as captain? Oh. Remind me of the so Laidlaw, Blair, Barkley, Brown, Kellogg. Kellogg. Okay, I've got mine. So, yeah, which of those five, which two have under a 30% win record? Okay. Who are you going for, Dave? Brown and Blair. What about you, Matt? Brown and Kellogg. Brown and Blair is correct. Yes. Well done. New labour, new danger. Because Al Kellogg did well, because he was the captain when we beat Argentina on that summer tour, back-to-back. That was his his first captaincy. He captained in those two games. 
um, yeah. was in that kind of away tour to Argentina. Mm. I remember watching that on some really like grainy illegal stream. <laughs> yeah. The uh, of the fourteen that were listed at the start. Yeah. Which two players have a one hundred percent win record? Oh, so two of them. Two of them have a one hundred percent win record. Okay. Can you run me through the names again? The names are Hogg, McAnally, Laidlaw, Barkley, Kellogg, Brown, Blair, Fergus, Ford, Gilchrist, Husseter, Willis, Strockoff, and Lawson. Okay. I've got my answers. Right, Matt, do you want to give me one first? Strokosh. Strokosh is correct. He, uh, his one, his one sole captaincy was a win against Italy in Torino. Do you have him, Dave? I had Strokosh, yeah. Strok and Dave, what's your, what's your second one? Um, Henry Pergas. I don't really know. Yeah, I, I had Pergos as well. Pergos is incorrect. Ooh. Pergos has three captaincies and he's won two. Is it Wilson? And Ryan Wilson yeah. has one game as captain against Georgia, 100% win record. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, that is a draw, which, uh, which is great. <laughs> for, for the win can you both closest wins what is Ross Ford's win percentage captain from the eight games now you might want to th- the smart people will think about what percentages it could be if he's captained eight games okay okay what have you got, Dave? I'm still working out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's say, could be that. <laughs> 62.5%. Matt? Good 50. The correct answer is 375 ah. <laughs> Matt takes the win. Something in the region of 12 to 11. I don't know. That was really good. There you go. Yeah, no. I, I, just, I, sort of, um, I was actually randomly, because we were, we've been doing a lot of those Sporkle, Scottish rugby-based quizzes. Yeah. And um, I actually looked on Sporkle to see if I could find a Scottish like captain's quiz, because I actually thought it'd be quite good. Um, and there was, a wasn't one. So then I went into like, a little wormhole where I then found there's a list on ESPN um, where they sort of list out all the captains with kind of different kind of win rates. It's quite a cool little um, cool little piece of nugget of um, info, actually. Awesome. I think you should make one of those quizzes on. I, I, actually, well, I actually was going to do that yesterday. <laughs> but it felt like for a Friday night, it was quite a bleak thing to Awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks for that. And great, a great return for the quiz. Um, so that only leads me to say thanks very much for joining and to give you a little bit of a teaser of what's coming next on the Thistle is that we have landed an absolute whale. So TBC early next week, we're going to be on the phone with none other than Duncan Weir. Oh. Live, live from isolation. Um <laughs> down in Worcester so um, Dunkey's agreed to come on the pod so we're going to be speaking to him next week um, and we've entered negotiations with a number of other ex, um, ex and current Scotland players so keep it with the thistle there's going to be some good stuff coming up we've, we've refound our mojo our isolation mojo Matt's beating coronavirus we're all riding the wave <laughs> um, we're feeling good so keep in touch with us on Twitter that's thistle rugby pod um, Instagram, thistle underscore rugby underscore pod, and get 
there's never been a better time to write a really long, detailed email about Scottish rugby to us. That is the thistle rugby at gmail.com. Um, as I say, we'll have an episode of Duncan Weir in your uh, podcast bin uh, sometime in the next week. So look forward to speaking to you soon. Cheers. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.